0: Welcome to Q Deep Dives, another one from our Patreon archives. Q Deep Dives were recorded during the production of Season 1, so even we didn't know everything that was going to happen yet. Even so, this is your official spoiler warning. Members of the cast will be discussing events which transpired in Season 1, so if you're not caught up and you want to keep the story a mystery, maybe save this one for later. this new kind of bonus content that I hope will have more longevity than story cubes. I'm really excited for it, I think the rest of the cast is really excited for it. It's called Q Deep Dives, coined by Scarlet. Um, So how it's going to work is two, maybe three cast members are going to sit down and talk about a moment in the show in depth. What it meant for their character, what it meant for them as a player potentially. Uh, it's if Sammy's involved, maybe a bit of secret backstory from the GM.
1: Secret backstory.
0: Story. Um, we're gonna sit down, talk for no more than half an hour, and then we'll leave it fairly unedited and raw. Yeah, that's how that's gonna work. We really appreciate you sticking with us during this more complicated than usual time we also really appreciate your support during this more complicated than usual time i'm sure like us your life has changed quite a lot in the last couple of months and probably will continue to change so thank you for continuing to listen and to support and yeah so you've probably gathered by now i'm joined by sammy hello (laughs) the gremlin known as sammy this is my normal voice. <laughs> yeah, GM voice that you hear. That's that's. We're getting off track. We're wasting precious minutes. So the moment that we are going to be talking about today is the conversation between Nim and Samira that happens at the end of Thin Red Line episode twenty nine nine. Um. So for context, Nim has just gone into. All of Krimora's memories, all of these big kind of traumatic moments in her life, um, reprocess them, and then she's nearly out and suddenly she's thrown into a couple of similar moments in Samira's life. Um, And then they have this conversation about why Samira follows Kartos.
1: yeah. Certainly happens. We just listened to it just then. It's
0: pretty good. It's good. A lot good of singing. hiss,
1: a lot of hissing in the background. I'm really, I'm, I'm itching now. I've got to go back and reprocess we're at that, all that stage audio.
0: of the podcast where the audio quality is at a stage we're really happy with now. So anytime we go back and listen to the old stuff, we're like, no. Oh. Anyway, Sammy. Ashla. Guide you
1: through my process, guide my you- thought process going in. Well, okay. You both ate the flowers, right? Mm hmm. Um, And so I knew that you both needed to have some processing, uh, but I thought about it, and and well, I was thinking that it had to specifically for you regard getting Samira out of your head. So I was thinking, obviously, we looked at Cremora's past in that moment, and to be honest, the whole Thin Red Line thing, while I really, really like it, it is as a sort of storytelling advice, definitely more. I, w- I want to say contrived than I would normally go right in a way. Like not in a like not a bad thing. Sometimes you need to take a heavy hand to get to where you want to go, and that was me kind of taking the steering wheel and saying, I'm, "I don't know how I feel about this. Let's let's get this back on track." And I felt like I needed to do that for Kamora, but I didn't want to feel like I had to do that for Nim because I didn't want to feel like I had to just use the heavy hand for everything because I'd use the heavy hand for one thing. So I really wanted to look at a way... Like, I just felt like directly going into the memories of characters to explore them is a little bit of an easy device at times. Um, And so I thought, well, how how do we slant this a little bit? Like, how do we not just go back to all the sad bits of Nim's life and try and fix them? And also the moments in Nim's life, I don't know if you'd agree that we'd go back to uh, probably a lot more within the normal range of the human experience.
0: For sure. And I also think Nim wouldn't necessarily be as motivated to change them as Cremora was, because Nim, while she felt kind of, I guess, a bit railroaded into the life that she had, she never felt as powerless as Cremora did. Like, she always took it upon herself to rebel and you know fuck off from Miss Bank when Pip was trying to teach her things and stuff so like Niam had a lot more autonomy in her upbringing than Kremora did so there wasn't necessarily any points that she really needed to go back to and buff out well yeah well, <laughs> well if you look at trauma processing in real life that's how that's how you deal with it right you you go back to a moment in a safe space once you're ready and you reprocess that memory so that you have ownership of it. And that's what we did for Cromora. And even though there are moments like that in Nim's life, they didn't dominate her kind of formative years mm. the same way they dominated Cromora's formative years. Yeah. So it was really more about actually for Nim being selfless in that moment and being support to someone else's story in a way that she had never been before, while Cremora got to step forward and take that leading role and do what she needed to do, so.
1: Yeah, so what I went with instead, obviously, is going into an exploration of Samira and using the moment, I suppose, to try and humanise her further, to help us try and understand her, and to, yeah, try and give her maybe the, the first proper chance she'd had at maybe having a redemption, because, I mean, ultimately she got a rough deal with Kartos. It's not a great it's not a great setup that they had going uh, where she was essentially serving a false god. Not that he was false as a god, but that he was not the god that she was serving him under false pretenses. Yeah, under false pretenses. Because
0: that the thread that she talks about the feeling of connection with nature is tweed. That's what she felt. And as we know, Kartos Was systematically oppressing Tweed in this essay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's. This is one of the themes that I love about Kartosh and Tweed. Tweed is that, in a kind of very abstract way, it does examine that kind of power dynamic that you might see between, you know, traditionally men and women, where, you know, Kartosh represents kind of raw power and. Tweed represents healing and rest. And we kind of, I really like the way we kind of took that traditional dynamic, explored, and explored like why that was so damaging for Tweed and then for Samira as well. Um, and bringing, I guess, that back to Nim and her helping Cremora, it was interesting drawing those differences between Nim and Cremora's experience and then drawing the differences but also the similarities between Nim and Samira's experience because they're both druids. Um, I think we were talking about Samira's animal spirit being some kind of bird or eagle or something. Um, like, in a lot of ways, Nim and Samira are extremely similar. They're both brash, hot-headed, take shit from no one, but also feel very deeply and are very insecure. And... The way that kind of manifested for Nim was this, like, rebellion and willfully not caring about anything, and Samira, just dedication to the a cause, the only thing that had kind of brought her peace up until that point, which was then taken advantage of and subverted. Hmm. I love Samira. I love Samira very much. Yeah. Samira
1: is very fun character to play, uh, because I just get to be a little bit of a shit the whole time.
0: (laughs) Sammy loves playing little shit characters.
1: It gets me no love. (laughs) It gets me no love, but the love I feel inside my own heart. And you know what? Maybe that's enough. I love
0: Samira. It's really funny, actually. Um, Samira is a character who I, in particular, am very attached to, I think, out of all the cast, um... And there was actually a little joke, kind of off screen, little bit on, on screen, on mic, um, about the Nim Samira ship. Um, there's been a couple of jokes about Nim's windy girlfriend and stuff, which are more the cast joking around, cause I think, um, <laughs> me being into Sammy led to me kind of having this extra attachment to Samira, who represents Sammy's very playful and candid side, um, which I'm very attracted to, and what that kind of way to describe it. <laughs> and it kind of came out in the roleplay more than I meant it to. And then now everyone, I think it was Tori who initially was like, "Oh my god, get a room!" And I was like, "What? I wasn't even trying to go for that." Kremora is... I... is a thing, and so yes, that was. was I mean, funny. look,
1: they have a very traditional lesbian dynamic. Samira moved in when they just met.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Oh, um, yeah! I mean, that's a whole other element to this. Is, I mean, Samira was literally inside Nim's head for, like...
1: Not very week. long. Was it a
0: week? <laughs> it wasn't that it long. It wasn't very long. <laughs>
1: um, and this was actually how Samira left your head. Yeah. Just through this this little uh, ritual here. I think one fun thing for the listeners is to know that Nime actually... So we first hear Samira's name and a bit of Samira's lore uh, in the episode where Nim fights Samira, but Nim had actually met Samira in, like, the third episode.
0: Yeah, she's the wind (laughs) spirit who comes and talks to them. Um, Nim asks for help from the the, uh, spirits of nature to help find Pip, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Nim asks for help, and then from the spirits, and then doesn't really get an answer, but then Samira just appears behind her instead. Which oh, sorry, is no, because Cremora
0: summons a spirit and we get the answers for them, and then Nim's like, okay, I don't need to do anything, and then Samor- uh, Samira is suddenly appears. there.
1: Yeah, which is actually a theme that whenever anyone tries to summon Samira, she doesn't appear, and then she just appears of her own Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> She's not like Little that. Little shit, I love her. Yeah, she didn't have a name. I made her up on the spot. Um, but there's this amazing continuity in her character between that appearance and her next appearance where she's exactly the same <laughs> <laughs> despite it being mostly unintentional that it's even the same character which I find hilarious um, uh, Samira is a very fun fun character I- I'm sad that she's not in the story very much anymore but you know what? They come and they go. I was writing a list of all the QD characters the other day and I got over 60. So, I mean, it makes sense.
0: Some <laughs> of them have got to go away. I have a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did Pip and Samira meet and did Samira recruit Pip to Cartos's cause? Or was Pip kind of already like... I'm sweating. I'm sweating.
1: Um... So, well, Pip knew about Samira from Legend, because she reads that story. And being in the town, like, Samira's just around, you know? Mm. So I think she met her long before any of this happened, just incidentally, as a wise spirit. As for whether Samira actively radicalised Pip... No, I don't think so. She's too aloof. I don't think that she would do that. I think that... I definitely think that Pip ended up down that path herself and then it was only after that that they had anything more to do with each other than just the fact that, you know, Samira was kind of a local spirit.
0: So were they kind of rivals for Kartos' affection? Like, affection, you know what I mean? Like, favour? Maybe,
1: although I think Samira very clearly wins that yeah. one. Yeah. She's much more powerful and... um, Maybe rivals. I... I think that probably Pip had a lot of respect for Samira, though, at that stage. Mm. I don't know that Samira... Sorry, I don't know that Pip necessarily lusts after power or anything like that, so I don't think she'd care to be a rival. She's always just been looking for her place in life, which is why she always falls into cults. So I don't don't actually (laughs) think that she necessarily wanted to be, like... Kartos' right-hand man, she was very happy to take whatever place in the system mm. was assigned to her. So, no, I don't think that it would have been a real rivalry there.
0: Oh, my poor druid babies. Because, I mean, <laughs> that that that's the common theme that runs between Pip and Samira and Nim, is that they always feel like they don't quite belong wherever they are. Mm. And it's kind of a product, or it's kind of just a reality of carrying this other being inside you. Is that there's always going to be some like restlessness and not feeling like you're the same or truly the same as the people around you. And I mean that's one of the reasons that Pip clung so tightly to Nim, right? Like Totally. I think that yeah, I think Pip feels
1: that out of the three the worst. Whereas I think mm. Samira's I think Samira's sort of turn into a, into the wind spirit more came from her attachment to nature. I feel like she probably processed better being different because she was probably quite proud of it and, yeah. and fit quite well with it.
0: And, I mean, she would have lost her animal spirit when she... Winded. Fully winded and, I guess, die- died tradition, like Yeah. Not died, but, you know, her- lost her mortal form and mm. therefore the vessel for her eagle or whatever it is.
1: And whereas I think Nime is definitely stuck somewhere between... Like, probably doing better than Pip with it all, but still having probably a harder time.
0: I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, Pip, uh, bleh, Pip, Nim looks upon Sumira and Pip's dedication to Kartos and now Tweed with quite a lot of disdain, really. Um, or at the very least, she doesn't understand it, but I mean, she's also dedicated herself wholly to this cause of, like, protecting the world from the gods, essentially. Um, and in some ways, taking care of Cromora because she feels very responsible for her. I like this, which I- is not a healthy dynamic. <laughs> I like this idea that druids
1: are inherently righteous, but not inherently righteous to one thing. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it also makes sense. And and in the deeper lore, I wonder if it makes sense because they have a spirit inside them, and and. The thing here's some deep lore for you. As a spirit lives longer, in order to live longer, you is you sort of fundamentally have to cast away some of your humanity to differing extents, depending on how long you are living and the exact situation. So like someone like Samira often doesn't have like she doesn't have a great grip sometimes on the on the weight of her actions, which I think is part of how she she falls into doing the things she does later on. But I wonder if fundamentally by having one of these hugely long-lived spirits in you, like you have two in yourself, that same need to become fixed around something other than your own humanity, right? Mm. Because your humanity, by by being long-lived, your humanity can no longer keep you as you. You need something outside of yourself to keep you focused as yourself. Well, I
0: wonder if that's kind of like a kind of spiritual exchange, right, because for a druid, you are the humanity mm. of the spirit who lives inside you, and so I guess there's a bit of bleed both ways, like totally. as they draw on and, and kind of, I guess, are sustained by in some ways that humanity, you are influenced by their,
1: uh, like, longevity, yeah, yeah,
0: their longevity and their, their own kind of, their, their drive to commit to a cause. I mean, if we look at Ursa, becoming so fixated on Loxod to the point where she kind of broke the rules in a way, um, probably not willfully, but more as a product of being in the border forest mm. and being around all that spirity energy. Um, you know, she took over Nim's body. Like, she's not supposed to do that. She's not supposed to be able to do that. Mm. Um, but she did because she was so driven by her hatred of Loxod. So that's her cause kind of thing.
1: Mm. And, like, Loxod's cause in turn is just domination, mm. like, expansion and, and, and stuff like that. I mean,
0: Loxod and kartos are kind of cut from the same cloth in a way, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot of my characters are. What I are you mean, gonna do?
0: I mean, I find that really... I, I really love that idea because I feel like there's this... Often in, in traditional fantasy, there's this kind of idea that, like, druids and nature are kind of inherently good, good and pure <laughs> by virtue of being of the land... But really, like, morality is such a human construct, and ethics is a human construct, and nature does what it fucking wants. So to have these, like, I guess, embodiments, human embodiments, or Humanoid embodiments of nature, of course, they're gonna be evil sometimes, or well, not evil, but complicated mm. and not good and pure and into healing and then, and and I mean, I love that about Tweed as well, because it's like, she's that very traditional, like, ooh, Mother Nature, healing and wonderfulness. But she has a cult now! <laughs> like, well, she's,
1: she is that, but she's that too far. Yeah. So, so, like, she, her only response is let's go and and hide because once you free her the very first thing she has to do is run away no because you know potentially kartos could be powerful enough to in some way hurt or destroy her from the other side so so she instantly is on the run and then she kind of treats that as her philosophy for for everything And I think talking about nature being good or bad and stuff like that, I think feeding into that sense of righteousness and being fixed on a single cause, I mean, I think nature's not good or bad. It works on instinct, Mm. right? And so, in that same way, like instinct fixes you on something without a need for reason behind it necessarily it's just ears and i think that the same thing happens to the spirits and to the nature spirits over time and i think they're particularly susceptible to that probably so makes makes sense
0: i'm going to share a little tidbit just before we end because i think we've we're not out of time but we're wrapping up nicely yeah, 22 minutes yeah um nim i think if she survives this Oh yeah, you told me this. To come, everything to come, and obviously this could totally change, which is why I want to share it now. Um, her new kind of purpose is going to be finding the droids of the world um, and cataloging them, but also giving them connection in a way that she didn't have, even though she had Pip. You know, and trying to find out trying to figure out a way that this kind of symbiosis between the spirits and, and their vessels can kind of be more of a shared burden. That's nice.
1: That is not what I thought you were going to say, because you also shared with me at one point that Nim could potentially just go live in the hole after all this.
0: Depends mm-hmm. how traumatic <laughs> the ending is <laughs> with the mole people. Well, I think I think um Oh, this bit hasn't come out yet. Um, but after Signana's death, Nim has been incredibly shaken, right? And, and this idea, this disdain she has for the gods and their power, she's realised that actually she is the same in some ways. She's not a god. She doesn't have the level of power of a god. But she's realised the consequences for the people around her and her friends, particularly her and Cremora, how how devastating those consequences can be. I mean, Signana never had time to grow into, a, I guess, a better person or never had time to grow full stop because he got swept up in this tale, I guess, that Nim feels very responsible for, even though her and Signana never really connected on an emotional level. I think now she feels extremely responsible for him in a kind of weirdly maternal way. Um, and the fact that she was the one to deal the final blow, and she would have done the same as Cremora. She would have, I think, because of her drive to, to be in opposition of the messengers, she also would have chosen to sacrifice Signana. But that's hit her really, really hard, and I think she is reconsidering her stance on the gods in a way – not that she totally doesn't think what she thought before, but that I think she kind of has an understanding that sometimes you have that power because of happenstance, not because you chose to seek it, and being responsible with it is what you have to do, rather than relinquishing it, kind of thing. Um, and so I think she's missing Pip and Samira and Tweed very, very much right now, and and wanting their guidance, um, her faith. Her faith has been shaken, I guess, in a positive way. <laughs> her faith has been shaken up, like a <laughs> yeah, martini. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it would be really interesting um, if somehow Nim and Tweed had another conversation at this point. It'd be very interesting to see the difference between it and when Nim previously spoke to Tweed, where she basically wanted nothing to do with her.
1: What a mystery that would be. Mm. Stay tuned. Woo! Mm.
0: Okay, y'all. We're gonna wrap this up now. That's it for us, right? Yeah, that's it for us. Let us know if there are any big moments in the show that you want to hear dissected in this same way. Uh, who you would like to do the dissecting? Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a we've got a big list in mind, but we really would love to prioritize your favorite moments and your favorite character interactions.
1: And, and hey, while I've got your ears hostage. Y'all let me know what you want from the GM notes as well. Uh, I'm just doing whatever at the moment, so tell me or you'll keep getting whatever. Cool.
0: <laughs> okay, that's it from us. Bye. Bye. Oh. You can you can stop recording. <laughs>